Hello and welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG related. I am your host, Matthew, and as always, I have my two friends in two little black boxes, Ryan and Scott. How you guys doing? You hit the record button and the lady yelled we were recording, and yet for some reason you starting surprised me for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> gotta punch it up. I gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta do this. Okay. These are the trials of our modern era. <laughs> the, the, the robot lady yelling about us. She cannot be trusted, apparently. <laughs> but she she's very important for she records everything we say. And she demands consent, which I don't think I don't know how that works. I don't think that works. No, no. She she just informs she informs the consent or non-consent. Yeah, you can always click that button. You can always get the fuck out. <laughs> Anyways, how are you guys doing? Is your gaming going well? Um, I mean, other than, you know, explaining to our viewers at the ins and outs of Zoom that they don't understand. Um, <laughs> uh, gaming's been good. We actually started Aberrant Atomic Youth. Yeah. Uh, which that is good. That's kicking along. Yep. Um, the first two sessions. Expect, a, expect an announcement about release date soon. Yes. Uh, other than that, I have been um, playing to Lost to Crown of the Magister. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Which... Like I said before, oh boy, is that the SRD. <laughs> uh, it is the D&D SRD, like balls to bones. Uh, it's going to sound like the, the more I play it, the more interesting setting it, the setting is. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually really liking the level design. Like they've, they have come up with some interesting places to do D&D in. It's very like they incorporate a lot of verticality. Okay. In, in that, maps. That is the nice thing about doing the video game version because doing verticality in real encounters is a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. yeah so but doing it in, the, in, a, in a digital space is, you know. Yeah. And, and the way they sort of project where you can go and like, like where your spells can hit, it's all very clean and very, very nicely presented. And I, I'll tell you fucking what, man, like it really like, the difference between low level and mid level, holy shit! Like mm. that that game that illustrates it because like low level you're scrapping, and then you know, then then you know I hit about level eight, level nine, and they were like, uh, oh, there's this big spider queen and no one's ever beaten her, and like I just romper stomped that bitch, <laughs> like it wasn't funny. Like she didn't get to act. I mean that is mid level. Yeah, I've played yep. that game. Yeah, I mean, you... it gets to the point, and it, now we're at high level where it's basically uh, a shotgun fight in a porta potty. <laughs> yeah, kind <laughs> like, of. If we get the jump on a thing and it's one or two things, they're dead. They ain't doing anything. Yeah, but no. So it's it's fun. Us. I mean, it, it is it is what you play when you're waiting for Baldur's Gate, and it's pretty interesting. I mean, they got some like they have their own setting and. Um, I remember when they used to pay people to QA. I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's fully released. Uh, yeah, this, the Solstar is fully released now. It's not. No, no, no I'm yeah. talking about Baldur's Gate 3. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah. And they're, uh, you know, two-year two year, uh, paid uh, QA-a-thon that they're, you know, nope. making people take part in. Nope, I'll buy it when it's, in the, when it's a game. Yep. yep. Uh, I'll wait till reviewers tell me if it's crap or not. Maybe don't buy early access games. It's yeah. probably not a good idea. You should make yeah. them. They should be. They should finish the game first. Yeah, but that's the majority of my gaming. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. Ryan, what about you? How's gaming going a, with I'm you? Playing a shit ton of Grifflands because I, more Grifflands, more Grifflands, and then I, I mean, I obviously ran Rhyme of the Frost Maiden yesterday, and that was fun. 
I, I put them through a, a wizard tower. Oh, did it go well? We because oh, uh, yeah, it was fine. Well, they haven't gotten to the part with the nasty stuff. Yet. Okay, they've just had to get past like they had to do like the wheeling and the dealing to even get past the basic defenses, and then they had to find their way into the vault. Which getting to the vault alone, there's a spell called Guards and Wards. Mm-hmm. If you ever need to know what a good bad guy spell looks like, go look up the spell Guards and Wards. It's a <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> So, audience, this is why you need to be patrons because Ryan went into the patron Discord and was like, "Hey guys, I need help. Give me some, give me some asshole traps, asshole traps." And we all got to pitch him some ideas. I will say to Murphy, I won't, I won't say this too late because Murphy might hear me. Uh, she's like, "Oh yeah, I better prepare Featherfall in case they do, he, they pull a reverse gravity trap on us." And I'm like, "You son of a bitch! <laughs> my, my wife's too clever." Yeah. <laughs> well. Knows. That's a that's a good that's an oldie but goldie like like whoop. It's funny the way you the way you said that about like oh they had to get past the and like I almost thought you were gonna say they had to get past the bouncer, like it was a nightclub. Um, like, I mean, Wizard's there are, Tower. There are numerous people who could be considered bouncers in that tower. <laughs> uh, there are much bouncing the going wizards, on. Any of the people with level nine? There's lots of people with level nine spells in that building. So. Any number of them could be bouncers. <laughs> and I was just thinking about Tony down by the door, you know? Velvet <laughs> rope. Sordos? We don't let those into the tower. <laughs> Sordos. Sordos. Stand outside. <laughs> uh, is that a, it, it for you, Ryan? Any other good gaming? I mean, I mean, all my D&D games that I'm in are progressing at pace and are wonderful, and I'm enjoying them greatly. Yay! We're level 17 in Mad Mage. Yeah, that we're level 17 in Mad Mage. Banana pants. Pretty wonky. Holy shit. It's crazy. It's banana pants. Like unto gods. Uh, very close to it. Didn't get, it gets silly. Yep. <laughs> I have bastard sword hands. You have bastard sword hands. Yeah. These hands are bastards. They're bastards. As for my gaming, it has gone uh, apace. I've helped Scott with Atomic Youth. That is going off well. I've enjoyed myself. Uh, Over the weekend, I went to uh, the first LARP event that I've been to since COVID, uh, which was Garden of Destiny. Had like a one-day wrap-up of their like weird alternate story one day. Um, that was fun. That was I monstered, which means I just I just was beating up the PCs a lot. It was cool. It was fun. I'm actually finally I think I've figured out a cool concept for that game once September rolls around, and they have like regular games. I will actually start playing playing, and I'll have more to report. Um, and other news for my gaming. A, this is not directly role playing related, though there is a role playing game involved involved with it or next to it. Is uh, Age of Sigmar has released the third edition, which is the tabletop mini game, mm-hmm. and I've read it because all the rule base rules are free, and I'm like, damn it, I don't want to spend more money, but you're making me. I blame you, Games Workshop. I don't blame myself. I blame you. I mean, they are to blame. They are. It's blame. their fault. Is their fault. The money I'm just siphoning out of my pocket is the Yeah, that's kind of how I felt when they dropped Wild Beyond the Witch Light. Like, and I saw the, the pretty cover for that book. Yeah. I'm just like, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> With that, we'll go right into the news because that's the most of my gaming. I haven't done a lot of role playing. I'm actually only in one role playing game right now, which is Mad Mage. Uh, everything else is kind of just stuff I'm helping with or doing on the side, getting things prepped. Uh, but for news, 
speaking of Dungeons and Dragons, they said that there's going to be two classic settings next year, uh, well, which Shit. is what I wanted to talk about because we thought it was supposed to be this year, but it uh, looks like some books got pushed. Yeah, probably, probably books. Yeah, there's probably books getting pushed. Yeah, supposedly we're going to get two classic settings mm-hmm. uh, and two new settings that are specifically called out as not uh, Magic the Gathering settings. I okay. see. So that's interesting. There's some well, speculation. We're running right low on the ones they can do, but one got pushed back because we're pretty sure it's Dragonlance, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. That leaves like a coin flip of like Dark Sun, Spelljammer. Planescape. Uh, yeah. So uh, the the ones actually one of the ones that I think may be it, because somebody would been puts it around with the idea of the two ones that are new that aren't things we've seen before is i what was the what where did the dragon board came from again oh you oh yeah i was just about to say do you think they're going to do an a book about abir i would be totally down for abir a, a book on abir well you know it's a very alien place so it would be pretty interesting because it's like it, oh no no light doesn't even really hang the same also like for anyone who doesn't know in the the, in the main setting of dnd forgotten realms there was a schism many years ago. Uh, the dragons got Abir, uh, the primordials got Toril, yep. and they've been a completely divergent evolution until they bumped into each other and got dra- and mixed the dragonborn in there. Huh. And it's ruled and- by dragons, like dragon lords. Yes. And recently there was an, a UA, a big UA with nothing but dragon stuff Lots in of it. dragon shit in it, yeah. And so we're like, that would be really cool if we got something like Aber, Ab- uh, how do you say it again? I mean, I could just call it Abier because it's A-B-E-I-R. Yeah, Abier, or maybe the Council of Worms setting. Maybe. Abier seems like the easiest one to sell, though, because you can cross, you can just be like, hey, you can send your party here if something fucks up in Toril. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, it's something you can blow up their and world weird. and be like, well, have a different one, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> womp womp. Because I like the idea of like, oh, there are nothing but dragon lords everywhere, and you have to but deal with dragon politics. I think that that Matt is actually like I'm. I would not bet against your guess that it's Abir. <laughs> I think it's going to be that also because the amount of dragon stuff that we got and in the UA and the fact that they're talking about like it's a setting that's kind of like we haven't really touched on or we're revisiting. It's always been there. Well, it's mm. been there since like forever as far as i know and you just never really talked about it very very rarely spoken about or written about so yeah i'm interested everyone loves fucking dragons yep and and i'm I'm eager to see what they had all the books they've been coming up with have been really good obviously we got the stuff with strixhaven and stuff there were supposed to be probably more books out this year but obviously covid and probably just production i don't know then they what we got uh we got like four right yeah four's fine that's yeah. a normal amount. That's a good amount of books. Yeah. Considering they're pricey and just every time they add stuff, like there's like a lot of overhead to integrate. Eh. <laughs> yeah. It's good. So in other uh in tangentially connected to D D, this was interesting. This is very recent. TSR is back. I, I literally just saw something that literally said that, so I haven't and I haven't looked into it. What the hell? So a while back the trademark for TSR expired. It was recently in like 2011 or so purchased again, and they sort of been doing like a TSR like like DD adjacent magazine that canceled out, and now they've officially sort of revamped the website, 
and uh, basically Jeff R. Uh, Lesson, Chief Operations Officer, and Ernest Gary Gygax, which is uh, Gary Gygax's eldest son, is basically the vice president of it, and it, they're producing RPGs, uh, which is it, uh, their first game is going to be called Giant Lands, uh, and it's by uh, Ernest uh, Gary Gygax Jr. It looks interesting. They are um, supposedly they brought on a lot of old older people from uh, TSR days back on, as well as like bought the offices that TSR used to be a part of, and turned part of it into a museum hmm. for like nice. ancient role playing games. Oh, like like the old war games that they you know from just just from not just England. TSR but just the history of role playing games. Neat. Um, so they are doing that. They supposedly have another game in the works i don't know if they've announced it yet though it's called giant lands yeah that's the one that's the main one they're doing i think they're working on another one as well cool so tsr is here baby let's see how well it goes and we had a buttload of vampire just all over the place vampire yes or games and books and all all kinds of stuff uh we got the trailer for two games two video games for vampire the masquerade that are interesting one is called swan song yeah i know we've known about swan song swan song's been in the works for a while yeah uh which i'm interested in that because it's um i i the game that they had made the bat company had made before was the council mm-hmm. and yeah, you it, really like that it was pretty good i enjoyed that i need to get i need to finish playing it um but it was really good i like some of the mechanics like they definitely it was definitely like sort of a point and click adventure game but the rpg elements of it were very interesting and i thought could definitely map to vampire incredibly well yeah yeah it yeah. seems like it because it had a lot of social jockeying and yeah stuff like that so that'd be yeah pretty, pretty and, good and then we got another one that's a little more action oriented called uh blood hunt vampire the masquerade blood hunt it's a battle royale yeah i i can't groan hard enough yeah that's that when i read that i'm like really no. yeah like that's silly guys it's silly like like the trailer had a bunch of vampires using guns which like okay i guess i guess we're back to to uh, late 90s underworld <laughs> yeah. uh, hey it's part aesthetic. of the aesthetic it's part of the melu menu melly it's weird it's what it is is weird because it's battle weird. royale was a huge fad a couple years ago it's still popular. It's still, it's still popular, popular, but it's nowhere near like as huge as it was uh, when you had like PUBG and Fortnite, Fortnite. and Fortnite all the is still the biggest. And I'm sure. I'm sure. For, yeah, uh, Apex Legends think... apparently pretty big. Don't. I think throwing your hat in the ring right now is a bad decision. Mm-hmm. I think the scene has been done, blown up. Yeah, and I, that's I that's think... my. I also concur. It's uh, going to be free to play. So meh, like I might as well play it, but I mean, is it first person? I uh, don't. I think it's third. I think it's third person. Um, uh, so they're really Fortniteing. Yeah, they're and yeah, like you have superpowers, you have guns, you have stuff. I don't know. We'll have to see. What, it's got I, an interesting aesthetic to, to it. Page. I think the premise of it is that it's either connected to the big convention of Prague where the actual like cam anarch war broke out 
uh, and it's one is basically it's supposed to take place during one night of extreme violence. That's just cool. like Cam and Anarchs just going the fuck at it over one night with the Second Inquisition like dogging their heels while they try and kill each other. Okay. So like a lot of the complaints that I've seen is like, oh, well, it's masquerade without the masquerade. I'm like, okay, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's masquerade without the masquerade. But if they, in the context of this is supposedly one night when things got super hot. And that's, okay. That's I can buy into well that. Established thing that happens. Also, yeah, exactly. It uh, happens. The, the, the name, the very name blood hunt is like mm-hmm. a night where shit gets crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, so the prince calls a blood hunt it's it's no joke it's yeah it makes sense in for framed in that way it doesn't make sense in like oh this is just what is the thing that's constantly happening it's like no this is this is you know the framing it's it's always the same night it's always just like the rep- repeating of, of terrible violence cool fine i just don't i don't like battle royales i don't tend to like like super actiony shooters and it is the exact opposite of what I go to for vampire. <laughs> like I go to vampire for like personal horror and, and political jockeying and, you know, aesthetic. So I guess it'll be aesthetic, but nah. Uh, I, I agree with you there. Uh, it does feel a little bit, a very, a very much a stretch out of like where you would normally find the ga- types of games vampire would be good for. I mean, we saw what happens when you try to do a stealth action game with blood of with the werewolf, which you know, yeah, it's I don't know. I guess it's a different group of people doing it, but like, uh, uh, just don't try to make action games out of. Oh, uh, that's right. You just reminded me, Ryan. What was that werewolf game that got announced? Oh fuck! Uh, Retaliation. Yeah, 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 yeah. That actually looks interesting. Is, that's a board game, right? It's a board game, but it's in, in the same. It's from the same people who did Chapters, which Chapters is a board game that that is like, it's kind of like a like a role playing game in a box, mm-hmm. where it's like it's a set scenario and like you can solo play it. Uh, cool. But it's essentially like the box. The box is your is your storyteller, right? 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 Um, and you you can run through it. So it's similar to that. I actually like. I think the premise of that one is fascinating. It's because it's like. You are a cairn of werewolves, um, and the premise is the worm just kicked your shit in, mm-hmm. uh, and you have a moon cycle to redress that. Mm. Basically, like the, 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 the game takes place over a moon cycle where you rebuild, re, regroup, and, and uh, push back. Mm. Cool. I, I can get behind that. Yeah. Like that, like that's a cool premise for like a long, like a like a for a, like a werewolf scenario. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if they've got that, and if they tune that right, so that it's you know a very sort of contained experience, I think that it could actually be pretty cool. I'm actually looking forward to that. that yeah, that, that sounds cool. Yeah, that's cool. Now that Sabat has been announced, and that's coming very soon, mm-hmm. that is the next big thing I'm waiting for. Werewolf, yeah. Werewolf uh, W W five. Fifth edition werewolf. Viff. They are pushing Oof. werewolf pretty hard, so yeah. I can't imagine that they're not going to be releasing of W five soon. I, I I think definitely within twenty twenty two, absolutely within twenty twenty two, we will see a kids. book. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, back to D and D news because that's all that exists. Um, 
DD Live. We we made a little fun of it a little while back, but uh, this is actually I may show up and watch this. Okay, because... I real if you do, I really need to know because here's the thing. I Reggie Watts is a funny dude. Jack Black, funny dude. These are some funny motherfuckers on this podcast. But are they good players? Yeah, will That's they? a good question. Will so, they be? Well, I talk- ever, I've never seen Reggie Watts do anything seriously in his whole life. Like, <laughs> that wasn't taking the piss in some form or fashion or being like weird and off. It's like, is he going to play D&D? Is he going to play D&D? Like, I'm just curious. Like, I know that's the gig there are many many ways to play D. this is a one shot it is it is a, it is not a continuous campaign so during D live uh uh kate welch I, is a host i think is the gm but i don't i don't know precisely yeah, how i think she's the gm um jack black reggie watts lauren larkas kevin smith jason muse and a mystery guest are all going to play D together and so that's, that's awesome but you know it's if i wanted okay so Am I? I don't watch people play D and D, so I don't understand what the the I don't have that appeal in. Like I don't see the appeal. Mm-hmm. But I assume that if you watch people play D and D, you would like that they play actual D and D. That's the only thing I'm curious. Like I don't. But what? But Ryan, what is actual D and D? Oh, like rolling dice and going with what the dice say and knowing what your your stuff does. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's D and D. Well, I mean. I mean, that's D&D, but do you consider, point in question, do you consider Harmon Quest to be actual D&D? Not particularly. Okay. I mean, it's mostly, it was mostly always Spencer just making shit up for people who had no idea what was going on. And were too drunk. Yeah, that's like, true. Yeah, dude. Like, if you're, if, if, if 80% of your people have no clue what their sheet does, like what's going on on their sheet, you know, you're just doing a, you're doing a fun improv fun story fun improv yeah. exercise yeah, yeah. Uh, and a, a, a very very nice person is acting as your computer um, <laughs> i don't know i think i think that depending on what it is like i mean there's there's i mean i'm i i know of actual plays i watch actual plays i put on some actual plays um i think it's it's kind of a combination of of you're not necessarily there the people who watch these things are not necessarily purely there for, you know, the grognard, for the the pure play of D&D. The game there of is, it. Yeah, the gaming of it. There is an idea, there is an element of performance, improvis- like performance being funny, being engaging, um, and that taking the forefront. But there's still D&D and there's still game mechanics underlying it. Um, it's just I, a matter of, I, of I, I think you can do both. You can absolutely do both, but it'll be interesting to see how how into it those particular people are. I feel like Jack Black is going to be serious as shit. I feel like he's going to be because it's like you can't tell me this is the first time Jack Black's played Dungeons and Dragons in his life. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I refuse all, to believe we've, that. <laughs> we've all heard Tenacious D like that yeah. in a Wonder Boy D and D campaign. And I'm not yep. trying to take the piss out of any of this at all. I'm just like given the given specific mostly specifically reggie watts because of just the way his his performance functions yeah mm-hmm. is to be uh deconstructive yeah and in what's what's interesting about and scott brought this up about like doing actual plays and a lot of people online have have shared this is playing a role-playing game on a table with your friends and playing one online even if it's with your friends is a different it's actually a different skill set because 
you are trying to be performative. You're trying to be engaging. You're trying to be entertaining. And people are realizing, oh, you just can't pop a camera on and do it. You, there's a lot more that goes into it. Yeah. Yep. Which, but with this, uh, I'm interested because of the talent that's going to be involved and just the because it's a one shot, there's going to be wacky shit that's going to happen. Oh, absolutely. I expect no no end to the wackiness. Yes. But I always like it when wackiness gets backed up with some fun, with some die rolls. Yeah, you want the dice and and everything else to flow with each other. What I like is when people, especially like, well, there's only so much fighters and stuff can do depending on what level you are. But like people with magic, you can get down to all kinds of silly bullshit if you're, you know, if you know what you're doing or if you care to, if you care to know what's up. (laughs) Yeah. Wizards. You can be a major headache. Yeah, so that's going to be in July. So that's coming up soon. Uh, they haven't. I don't think they announced an official date. Or, or no, it's like the 16th or 17th. July. And I mean, that's obviously that's right. it's like it's all for charity, though, right? Yeah, it's all for so, charity. Yeah, let's go nuts. So, go nuts yeah, yeah, it. they're Watch gonna it. have a great time. <laughs> uh, then uh, the last little bit of news is D and D adjacent. Um, because I launched the web DM. Uh, there are a couple great guys. They have some really solid advice for game masters and players. Uh, they launched a Kickstarter called Weird Wastelands, which is basically whole giant chunk of content for playing in sort of like post-apocalyptic fantasies or, or science fiction wastelands and like how to use exploration, resource management, that kind of stuff in your games in, your, in order to like enrich them and give them a little bit more to do and a little bit more um, crunch to it. Uh, while still be engaging as far as storytelling is goes goes it's really good i backed it i'm gonna get the book um i generally don't get DD books especially not third party ones but i like the guys i think they're gonna come up with some really good content um cool uh going back to vampire for a little bit they did yeah. release the preview of the sabbat book mm, uh, tell which, me more um it's interesting they got they have a little bit of um a little bit of basic setting information a little bit of mechanics um, and they they released sort of the the big section on specifically the path of Cain, uh, which I believe we talked about this earlier. That they're really doubling down on the paths as sort of uh, archetypes for mm-hmm. antagonists. Like you're going to run into a pack of path of a path followers of a specific path. Like that's yeah. that's your that's your boilerplate Sabbat encounter. Not a a pack of well, not. I, I guess the most important question, Scott, is: Did that PDF piss in your Cheerios? It didn't piss in my Cheerios, but it took the marshmallows out of my Lucky Charms. Oh, that's almost no. as bad. Now they're so, so dry and yeah. The path of I, it is almost exactly that. The path of Cain, as presented in the Sabbat book, uh, that the preview that we got are they very, very, very heavily focused on the, we're a bunch of diablery hungry, uh, you know, um, psychopaths. Hmm. There was almost no mention of their scholarly aspect. I have the biggest frowny face right now. So they they took the marshmallows out. Given everything that we've talked about, Mm -hmm. would that still be a thing? Would they still be scholars? It's considering that there is probably like 20 of them <laughs> and they're, you know, diabolically hungry psychopaths. They are diabolically hungry psychopaths, but it just, it, it, it's very clear, but it's based on what we're talking about. These guys are antagonists. These are guys who roll into your thing. Like they, they definitely portray them as smart. 
they're not like complete fucking stupid idiots. Like they're very tactically minded. Um, you know, that they, you know, they talk about, you know, be, being close to Kane and following Kane's way, but there's really almost no mention of the, you know, the lore, the lore, uh, hungry, um, you know, scholarly research aspect of them. It's all like, really about the word explaining. We follow Kane's way. What does that mean? What mm-hmm. does that say? Like the thought process that you have to kind of go through that. Hmm. Well, I mean, and the idea of you have to have like a scholarly basis of Kainite lore to truly follow that path. Whereas in this aspect of it, it's all like, yeah, we got to eat, eat a bunch of elders and it, it, the rest will follow. Yeah. And it, it just, it, it, I think that that takes away what makes the path of Cain very interesting because it's always been the balance between the pursuit of more potent blood with the scholarly understanding of what that means and what it is you're trying to go for. What, why you are, why you want to get close to Cain, not just from a purely power perspective, but in a philosophical perspective. So, you would have, I'm, so from what I'm understanding is that whether they're like they could have made them interesting antagonists, not just murder psychos. Yeah. I mean, they could have preserved um, a little bit more of what the nuance was not there. Yeah. That's what I was, that's, that's I mean, what I'm getting at. There's no there, nuance I mean, in it. I haven't looked at it. Is there a possibility for it to be, be there event? Like when it is done, like maybe who knows, this was, this was the section that they presented us uh, and what they presented us seemed to be lacking in nuance, very focused on, them as antagonists um and i just i don't i think that does them a disservice what about the mechanics that you saw uh, the mechanics were good i mean there's some really nasty fucking shit in that um I, I don't remember exactly what it was i remember that i read them and they seemed they seemed gnarly and interesting so they got were bad they... guy powers yeah okay, they got cool. bad bad powers good. big time okay cool so and do we have a release date on sabat book August question mark. That's I think what it is. So yeah, so what it sounds to me like is that 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 bit of heavy lift, that bit of lifting that you'll have to do is to like kind of take the natural course of what that nuance looks like in the like now. Mm-hmm. Right. If you want it to be like, okay, well, we're we're still gonna play a Sabat Path of Cain group. Here's the nuance that you need to know. Like it will take mm-hmm. an experience storyteller who knows a little oh, and about i forgot it it the work. official title for this book is sabat the black hand yeah like, that's another thing that's very interesting like they very clearly like they mentioned they talk about the sabat and the black hand is essentially interchangeable mm-hmm. which if you know anything about vampire lore that's not exactly true nope um well. yeah it, you are correct august is is the tentative like month that it will be released? Are we talking about the true black hand, or are we talking about the black hand? Oh, let's not even get. Uh, that's mm-hmm. when that's when things got a little crazy. Or maybe that's... they needed to clean the lore up a little bit. Maybe <laughs> it was all over the place. Bit. Now, if you want to call like they sort of merge it, and the Sabat is also called the Black Hand, and that's sort of their like a their, new moniker their for them. Man name. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's fine. I'm down with that. Well, I mean that that's actually always been the case. Like it has always been presented in from the cam and anarch perspective of they're the black hand. Like that's just the yeah, I never that knew they that. referred to as it's always been the case, you know, but once you get behind the curtain, you realize, 
one of the re the reason why they're called the black hand is that the black hand are like 90% of what the cam sees of the sabacc yeah, because they're the most offensive oriented like they're, the, they're the military yeah the military arm of it yeah. it's like you know if you were some guy in yemen uh, having a wedding um and you think of america you think of the raytheon um <laughs> knife missile that comes in and murders everyone at your we yeah, wedding yeah yeah and that's the u.s military uh oh man i got patron content i want to talk about a little bit about his book it's really good we'll talk about that later though cool all right. Uh, any more news, gentlemen? News, news, news. I think we've had a lot. Okay. We'll probably have some more next time because now that things are, well, things are not better, but they are a little bit better than they were. Hot things, summer. Yeah. Huh. Hot girl summer, as it were. We're going to go into the main topic, which is brought to you, brought to us by our lovely patrons on our Discord. So become a patron today, buck a month. You get a whole bunch of cool stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about dice mechanics and di non-dice alternatives. Basically, how in-game design, in-games that you will see, things, how to use dice, as well as how to make resolution systems that are not dice-based. And the ones that we've seen, the ones that we enjoy, things, problems that we've had with all of them, that, that kind of stuff. We're going to have a very casual conversation about the dice and resolving stuff on the table. I once played a game. Uh, the one time I did the unknown, unknown armies as a salon larp, we used a, a pack of like ten cards, like mm -hmm. ten playing cards to do ten spaces and uh, one spaces for percentiles, and that was pretty nice. So it was like percentile that. based, but you used cards instead. So yes, you did. To, the randomizer was done through the cards, and through that you could actually do a few tricky things based on like, oh, if you pull like a queen. And a jack or some shit. I forget what some exactly it was, but some some of the face cards did some funky shit and aces did some funky shit. Mm -hmm. So you could do some fun shit by oh, oh and there was a way you could like flip the numbers, you could flip the cards or mess with the turn order. So because so basically they took a system where you would be rolling basically like a D one hundred and through this sort of like abstracting it out into cards. You, you can add some like weird poker tricks basically right so, well it's the idea of uh, there are probably mechanics that let you certain probabilities of of certain face cards would change options for you well the the specific thing was that you have a the the deck that you're playing with isn't a full card deck it was like literally like get yeah. these cards and that is your pull deck yep. that you use yeah, that reminds me of the old school Mind's Eye Theater stuff, which was rock, it paper, scissors, right? Most assuredly was probably derived from the what came after, because I there were there were I know Chronicles of Darkness players who I talked to who did use card pulls yep. for yep. their resolution, and I'm pretty sure that this system, I mean, obviously the people who ran this were people who've been playing Salon LARP for a million goddamn years, mm -hmm. so um, or running it, so. Yeah, they probably like took that and like ran with it and made it kind of interesting. And I, I liked it a lot, actually. There was tension to it for sure. It was. You can bring a lot of different things to it. We ran Chronicles of Darkness uh, LARP. Uh, mm. We ran the rules of it. It was kind of a merging of the of the two settings. Yeah, this was in uh, that weird uh, nebulous liminal space time. Mm -hmm. uh, and we did. We didn't do. We could, you could do carpools, but we also allowed people to just roll a single D10. Yeah. Uh, which was essentially mechanically the same. Mm -hmm. um, just because it was, it was, it was, it was far easier to do that. 
Uh, I remember I, I had a collection of like gigantic D10s that I had gotten from Munchkin die set, Munchkin yeah. sets. Yeah, they worked really well. And they work really well for that because it was just a huge honking D10. And you just find a flat space, throw it, even if it's on the ground, and mm-hmm. you're good, you go. Yeah. Uh, my day theater, obviously rock, paper, scissors, a lot of it evolved into people just using cards and tiles yeah. that had rock, paper, scissors chops. on one side of it, chops. Uh, but what was interesting about that is similar, very primitively, but very similar to what Ryan was saying is uh, the original version of my day theater had other symbols. You had the bomb. Uh, yeah. You had the bomb. Uh, I think there was like one other. And then there was the classic GM middle finger. Um just say fuck you i win uh yeah and there were like rerolls and a few other mechanics there to like make it make it have a little bit more uh functionality other than a third of the time you will always lose yeah <laughs> they, they, the time. they added some nuance and then then uh finite studios pared that nuance down yeah remove that like entirely they actually uh did they go back to paper rock scissors Yes, they did, but then they did like weird comparisons when you had ties and stuff. Yeah, you could compare values. There was ways right. to spend for a little. There were small things you could do. Uh, because, uh, sorry, my brain is being like switching on to to neurons that I haven't fired in over like a decade. Uh, in Mind's Eye Theater, you had traits. You had actually descriptive traits for like powerful, forceful, tough charismatic charming that kind of stuff and you actually had those and you had to bid them and you had to describe what you were doing with them whereas the new by night studio stuff doesn't do that it it's just straight numbers you have a number because it's all mostly only used for in ties rather than in uh uh standard sort of resolution oh what else that's that's unique sort of larp technology because at a larp generally can't roll a lot of dice you can't just roll some dice sometimes yeah uh other non-dice alternatives like scott and i we've talked about this before amber yeah that's a diceless alternative it's a diceless alternative it is very pure stat uh, comparison plus rp bullshit yeah and comparison um obviously that has its ups and its downs we've argued about that before another um, diceless system um is noblis Yes, I've never uh, played Nobles. I oh, even, I Nobilis. don't even know the mechanics. <laughs> I mean, it's it's similar to Amber, but it it's also like very much its own thing. Like I I couldn't I don't remember it enough to describe it. Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. It it, it certainly is like. It is you you really have to like put yourself in a very specific mindset to like wrap your head around. Uh, what's going on in that system and in that setting. It's a very idiosyncratic game. Yes. But it's it's beautiful. Like yep. it's beautiful both in like in the execution of the book. It's beautiful in its ideas and it's beautiful once you like kind of wrap your head around how to play it, it's beautiful in that way. So it's it's very much an experiential like and it's also a huge ass book that looks really good on your on your Yeah, that was like the first edition and- book, I think. I heard the second edition book got a lot cleaner and more a little more understandable. Yeah, but you know, 
in in my opinion, like the noblest book you want is that big marble thing <laughs> with the the beautiful like cover and yeah, like that that you can kill a man with. It's a it's an art book and a role playing book all mm, at the like, same time. That's the yeah. one you want. Yeah, um, just because it's rare now. It's very um, rare. Yep. But I mean, there's also mechanics along the lines of um, things like star-crossed and dread that use jenga yeah that's that's something i want to play is that the main resolution mechanic is if you do anything of consequence in the game you, you play jenga yikes yeah i mean that, i mean that very much um that very much you know is a palpable tangible thing of of anticipation and uh, dread and hence the name of the game. Anxiety that'll, that'll build some damn tension. I'll... I I remember hearing about a game of Werewolf the Apocalypse LARP, where they had a giant Jenga set, like like big as a man kind of yeah. kind of mm -hmm. Jenga set um, that they used to represent the veil. Ooh, that's so, clever. Like, Take like, note, everyone. That's a very clever use. So, like, whenever the GMs decided, hey, something you guys have done has threatened the veil, you had to go make a big, you had to make a pull on this big ass Jenga set. For anyone who, uh, for everyone who hasn't seen, I bet I know what kind of Jenga set it is because every, uh, every uh, microbrewery, yeah, <laughs> the place where people can just drink. Mm -hmm. has one and it's yeah. horrible i see my conventions that's where <laughs> so i've seen loud. that's where i've seen the big jenga towers is at conventions because mm -hmm. <clears throat> anyone can just come over and play like i it's got very to know easy. one while i was far too drunk at uh at a brewery <laughs> uh, <and laughs> these giant like giant wooden blocks just clattered to the floor every once in a while <laughs> oh my god uh so talking about cards there are games that use playing cards, just like Ryan suggested. They use different variations. Some will only use the royal set. Um, other ones use them not just in resolution, but one of my favorites that I don't get to play is Deadlands. Yeah. Character creation is all poker hands. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. actually, in correction, some of the resolution in the game for hexes, basically magic, mm -hmm. are playing games of hands of poker with the GM. I yep. like it. Yeah, it's, that's very cool. Yeah, you make your character and you pull the cards and the cards tell you stuff about your stats and they become a distribution and certain things will happen to your character if you pull certain cards. If but you what if pulled, Aces and Eights was a dead man's hand? That it is, very is a dead, much it exists. I, I know it had to have, right? Like, no, that's where they got the idea. They're like, yeah. what if Aces and Eights was a dead uh, man's the, hand in this uh, game? At character creation, I believe you've got the Ace of Spades. Uh, it was a very good, powerful card, but your character died and came back as basically an undead. Uh, mm -hmm. you're like a revenant? Yeah, there's there's an undead. They're undead in Deadlands that you can play as PCs, um, and they get weird powers because they're more connected to the Manitou, which is like the weird evil spirit realm. Um, if they kill other like evil fear creatures, they get superpowers uh, by doing it. Uh, there's also there was also a iteration of the Marvel superhero game mm -hmm. that had like unique a unique card um, mechanic mm -hmm. where you actually like part of your building your power set is that you built a deck 
uh, 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 out of a, a custom deck of cards for your character. And that was your, that was your card. That was your, your role-playing mechanic of, you know, you have a power 10 card in your deck and you decide when you want to play specific cards of specific values and your, you know, your character sheet, you know, informed what specific cards you had in your hand mm-hmm. uh, for a role-playing session. Oh, that's cool. That's in, that, that means you had to, that's cool because we can examine that. Say I draw like four or five cards for the session and I get to, these, I have to spend like these is all I really get to work with mm-hmm. unless something else happens. This is all I get to work with, which means, Oh, that's a really good card. And that's a really bad card. That means there's something I got to spend the really yeah. bad card on. Like mm-hmm. I'm obligated to role play and go through that process of not succeeding or failing. Which is um, really cool. Yeah, and there's a. I mean, similarly, there was a. It was a LARP system that I played a couple of times um, uh, with a Drowning Moon, uh, that it was based on coin flips, mm-hmm. uh, which was an interesting mechanic. And like you had like it was kind it was kind of reminiscent of uh, you know rock paper scissors because you had like reflips and yep. comparisons and um, another one where you just had a list of you had a list of of like d20 dice rolls yeah um and like you you basically chose the you you chose what things you did based off of what was next on your list of d20 that i think is uh, i i know that i remember joey talking to me about mm-hmm. call of cthulhu did that there was yeah. like a call of cthulhu larp would do that is you basically have a sheet of 100 d20 rolls but you had to go straight down the list so if anything happened, that, that all you would do was go to the next D20 and whatever interacted, interacted. Uh, Torg Eternity actually does something with cards and with dice that is interesting and different. So Torg Eternity does use D20s, but they don't have a normal, you don't just add the value of the die roll. There's a chart, depending on what you roll, that determines the modifier to your stats and abilities. Um, and so, and if you roll a 10 or 20, it explodes. So you get to roll it again. And that adds to the value, which determines, so you get this very large, uh, variation in the curve, which is interesting. Uh, but for card wise, they don't, they use cards in a couple ways. One is when you're in like action oriented moments, cause it's a very much action oriented game. Uh, some of the cards you draw them and at, during every action or certain when certain actions come up, you draw cards and you have to use as part of your action, you get to put one of the cards down and they can give you and then you can spend them to do things like I get to re-roll this or I get to the GM has to give me an instant information about this thing that I answer this question I have. Oh, they, or, yeah, they're basically like coupons. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Gaming coupons. That's a good way to put mm-hmm. it. I like that. Yeah. Um, there's also like uh, but then there also there's initiative things when they do things like skill challenges, their version of them. Uh, the There's something called the drama deck that the GM will flip over. And based on the symbols and the numbers determines who goes, what order they go and certain effects that happen during that action, um, which can change up what people can and cannot do, which I find quite fascinating. Um, that's a very interesting and alternative look at dice and uh cards and props for your game because yeah it's not as easy as just rolling a d20 but it adds a little more complexity to everything 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely you know different and unique ways of using dice, um, and and mechanics, oh, yeah. uh, like the roll and keep kind of systems mm-hmm. uh, are very interesting as well, like seven C's and and uh, legend, the newest legend of the five rings kind of does that. Mm-hmm. You roll because it's slightly derivative off the Genesis system, but um, your attributes determine which one you can choose a number of dice that you roll that you get to keep. And depending on what you're keeping drastically changes what you can and cannot do and how it affects your character. So there's a whole mess. I could do in a, probably an entire episode on the L5R in that system because it's so intricate. It's interesting, but it's very intricate. I mean, every every game under the sun has its own dice mechanic its own way of looking at dice. There's been, I mean, obviously you got your classic D&D, but then there's, there, there was derivatives off that of rolling 2D20 and taking average or 2D10 taking average. Obviously, depending on the dice you use, that changes the probability curve of how you're doing. Uh, for a while, the hot thing in role-playing games was using different dice as stats. Like, I got a D12. I'll put this in this stat. I have a D8. I'll put it in this stat. I have a D4. I'll put uh, it in this Savage stat. Savage World style. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's Savage Worlds. I'm pretty sure that something in Savage Worlds used different I dice. know for a while Deadlands did that. They've gone away from that. Uh, the I think some of like the Smallville role-playing game and the Buffy role-playing game did that for a while where they used die types uh, as stats. Um, which changed up like the numbers and what you could and could couldn't pull off, good and could not. We obviously have talked a lot about Aeon and how they use mm-hmm. the newer system of just eights or hires or seven or hires, tens explode. Uh, there's a I'm looking up the list of non dice role playing games. There's one called Macabre Tales that used dominoes. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it's kind totally. of like a. Um, doesn't the power by the apocalypse system isn't that a lower dice setting with it other uses two d six? Oh, okay. Yeah, it uses two d six, and depending on the uh, what you roll, there's a curve chart of basically equivalent of failure, success with failure, success like weak hit, which is six uh, failure with like a complication. Then you have like strength, uh, strong hit, that kind of stuff. Funny thing enough, actually, 2D, uh, Powered by the Gloves has a lot to, more in common with like original o, OG D&D than it's any sort of its modern iterations. Because it uses 2D, like the original, original D&D, I think, uses 2D6. Um, doesn't Numenera use um, unique dice? It uses a D20. What I know about Numenera is that in instead of it uses a target number system. The GM, the GM never has to roll. Should not have flipped on Numenera.com. God damn. Oh, shit. Big, there was a whole big thing. Uh, sorry. Uh, uh-oh. <laughs> no, just there was intro stuff, and there was about to be, like, sound blarping. Da-da-da, no Monty Cook. Oh, God. Oh, God. Podcast poison. I know the, not the saga system... The cipher system is a little different. I don't know much about the cipher system, but I heard it is unique. It does things with D20s. There's a game that's called uh, The Adventures of Lucky Pip and the Incomparable Ithmar Conchi that uses okay. fortune cookies. That's <laughs> that's awesome and edible. That's great. I love it. Easy cleanup. 
<laughs> Might get a tummy ache. But they're delicious. Um, no doubt. Yeah, when dice, like anything, like the, the boil down anything we're saying here is like, it's about like metaphor. It's like, how can you generate the feel of what you want off of anything that's around you? Um, I mean, there have been systems for LARPs that are like, put a number of fingers behind your back between two people and depending on if it's odd even can determine who wins or who fails mm -hmm. so there's like a little bit of a psychological warfare going on in that in that case uh i'm trying to think of uh there's also uh i i, I would love to like give it a shot because it sounds fantastic there's a thing called weave uh which is it's a it's the, the basic mechanic is based off of tarot cards, mm. but it's all digitized. And they basically have like, um, they have toolkits that um, change what the various cards mean in mm. whatever context it is. For like, for the sci fi game, they mean slightly different things. Oh. And it's all done off of like an app on your phone. Oh, that's cool. I like that. That's neat. like, it's, it's very, like, very new media, digital. Uh, nonsense. And what's it called? Uh, called weave. Weave. Okay. Yeah, I'll look it up. Uh, uh, it does. Yeah, it does have dice and it has unique dice. And uh, you, I think, yeah, you build your character off of a tarot card deck. That's cool. I, would, I, I, like I, I have a soft spot for a tarot deck and like how it can incorpor be incorporated into a game. It's always uh, cool. Yeah, me too. There's another game called the Everwave Visionary Role Playing. I'll just read off the description that I read. It actually sounds pretty interesting. It says, GMs use the three laws, karma, drama, and fortune. The law of karma says to look at the stats and think about what mostly realistically would happen. The law of drama says to think about what would make the best story. The law of fortune says to draw a card from a tarot-like fortune deck and see what it suggests happen. The GM takes these three things into account, blends them together according to the needs of the adventure, and just describes what happens. Yep. Yep. That makes that makes that makes sense. So yeah, Wrath and Glory uses D10 D6s, but it's like a pool of D6s, and in that uh, you you roll like based on your stats, but you always roll a Wrath die, and it's in that uh, uh, that if it rolls a one or a six, alters the the situation or can modify your roll substantially. Um, so there's always something different going on there's something weird going on um mm -hmm. and sometimes even roll multiple wrath dice in your pool for in the case of psychic powers to make really weird stuff happen i know castle falkenstein uses a playing card yeah he uses playing cards i've never played it but i know it uses playing cards for playing cards is a very common alternative to dice because it's a it it can generate a probability for you based on the number of cards that are in the in there also readily accessible by most, most very people. cheap very cheap easy to easy to carry around easy to use and then obviously you have other resolution mechanics like hitting people with foam bats oh yeah, well, that's... yeah that's... <laughs> that's straight to the point as it were i mean you could whip dice at them i suppose but that would be very rude <laughs> it would be just offsides really i don't think anyone could, would be down with that who would do such a thing i mean it would it, it would be a surprise they wouldn't that's be true. they wouldn't expect it would be a true sneak attack. <laughs> uh, uh, audience, I will. I won't lie. I just looked at all my like just role playing books offhand to see whatever. I'm like, God damn, I got a lot of White Wolf shit. <laughs> oh, dude, don't, they make a don't, lot. Don't go down that road. Yeah, <laughs> they'll, 
you'll just be like, what have I been doing? <laughs> what am I doing? I've never <laughs> played half of this. And, and if nothing else, if our very limited, we've had, we've done this a long time and we've, we've experienced a lot of different games, but there's infinitely more games out there. There are a lot of niche games out there, guys, that I highly recommend going and searching because you never know what you're going to run into. Like Bluebeard's Bride is a very interesting game with in- very interesting resolution mechanics and conceit. Yeah. Also, it's another art book, like mm-hmm. art book as RPG book. It real pretty. It's very pretty book. Yeah, so just go out and explore and figure out what you want to look at. Um, hopefully, this was enlightening. Maybe you'll go look up some of the games we've suggested. Uh, experiment with some of your own. Feel free to, like, if nothing else, uh, there's so much experimentation in the role-playing community that if it's like, huh, I wonder if I could do something with X, Y, and Z. If you look it up, thanks to the internet, you probably can find it. I, I promise you. And if all else fails, you can play freebasing. <laughs> Ooh, that's a story. Hey, if you want to know more about freebasing, <laughs> I, Patreon $1 a month, go to <laughs> go to patreon.com. Slash Bali Adrian. Uh, so you, okay, good. So you're going to explain to me what the fuck you're talking about. Yes, yes, we will. In Patreon uh, content. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so from everyone here at Bali Adrian, go where your fun is. Roll some dice or not. Or not. <laughs> Bye guys. Pull some cards. <laughs> Hello everyone, Matthew here. If you enjoyed the show, you can always contact us at polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com as well as at polyhedroncast on Twitter. And if you want to get in touch with me, I'm at Divis Melkab on Twitter. And I'm at Arjuus, R-J-U-O-U-S on Twitter. And if you really want to show your support and get some extra content on the side, head on over to patreon.com slash polyhedron.